This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it good to be here tonight? I'm glad to be here tonight, glad to be preaching, glad to be teaching, glad to be helping people with the Word of God. Amen. How many brought the notebook? All right. How many brought their pens? How many brought themselves? Amen. We ought to have 100% on that. Okay, for those of you who didn't bring yourself yet, I'll be glad when you show up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. I'm just thinking about what I'm going to teach tonight. To me, it's one of the most valuable lessons that a new Christian will ever hear. And uh, all Christians need to refresh themselves all the time what I'm going to teach tonight. Anyway, the title of it, A Bible Truth That Will Change Your Life Forever. A Bible Truth That Will Change Your Life Forever. And we want you to look at Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to start off at. And if you're taking notes, go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start off in verse 2. And also, for taking notes, write this down. This lesson is so important that Jesus also, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 23, Matthew 13, 1 through 23, Jesus teaches the exact same thing, but through the eyes of Matthew. And then Luke chapter 8, write that down. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 15. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 15. And, uh, you know, I think that if God thinks something is so important that three out of the four Gospels teaches it in detail, it must be important. And, you know, I know that uh, when, when I was young, I heard somebody explain to me why, some, why, why a lot of these things that Jesus taught are taught through different ones of the Gospels and things, but they sound different. Well, the way I heard it explained really makes sense to me. How many of you ever been to a basketball game or a football game? It's kind of a sports thing. Especially off all the cameras, I watched some of the World Series, and uh, man, some of those plays they had, they must have had 20 cameras of that, because you'd see it over here, you'd see it over here, and you'd see it over here. At every angle, was the same. they were seeing the same thing, but from a different angle. So it depends on whose eyes you look from, whose camera you look from, what you thought the call should have been. Well, these apostles were just like you and I. And if there was something that happened right now at our church and somebody teaches something like I'm teaching tonight, and somebody were to ask Cletus, Cletus, what pastor teach tonight? Well, Cletus would be telling you something about what I taught, and then ask Katie Brady, say, Katie, what pastor teach? She'd be telling the same thing, but you get a different picture. And then ask Joe and Nadine, say, but what did your pastor teach on Wednesday night? Well, if they had to write it out, everybody's write their stories out what they heard, they think, wow, that almost sounds the same, but that's different. I wonder how come, I wonder how come Nadine didn't catch that. And then Katie say, wow, this is what I saw. I didn't catch what Nadine said. Well, when you put these gospels together, you start to get a full picture of what Jesus said. Cause I know when I'm taking notes, when I'm sitting out there, I'm taking notes as somebody else is teaching. All of a sudden they say something, really clicks something in me. And I'll spend the next two minutes writing out that thing, what I heard and then adding to it. And then I missed two minutes of what was said after that. Everybody's going, woo, shouting and clapping. I thought, man, what about you said? I missed that. Well, I had to go back and listen to it all live. I want to hear what they said then. Or ask somebody else. Anyway, that's, that's, that, that, that's one way to explain 
why something like this is recorded three different times. And so you study them, study them together, you get a real picture. But anyway, uh, Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 4, verse 2 is the only place we're going to study tonight. in Mark chapter 4. It says, And he taught them many things by parables. Many things by parables. And Mrs. Pastor told, told, told a definition of parable Sunday morning, but I want to give it to you again in case you don't know. A parable is a natural illustration to help you understand the spiritual truth. Help you understand the spiritual truth. How many here do really have the revelation that this world we live in isn't the real world? <laughs> this real world here is a parallel world with the spiritual realm. Heaven is in the spiritual realm. Hell is spiritual realm. The Holy Spirit, the angels of God, their spiritual realm, and, 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 and the angels of God, there's no age on them. They've been around forever and ever. And when we die, our physical body lays down in this world. And God said one day he's going to burn up this world and create a new one anyway. But heaven's for real. And when we die, this spirit we have on the inside of us that's born again comes out here and goes right to heaven forever and ever. That is the real world. It's the spiritual world. But we have to temporarily, while we're in these earth suits, be able to navigate in this physical world. And so if you don't really understand the spiritual world, you really won't have the success God wants you to have in this natural world. You've got to understand how to navigate through that realm to be able to change what goes on in this realm. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, our faith is in the God we can't see, who we know is real. Is in the Jesus that we can't see, the Holy Spirit we can't see. Romans 8, 14 says, for many are led by the Spirit of God. So we're led by a spirit that we can't see. But then also the Bible teaches us in multiple places about demons. There's demons out there trying to ruin your life. The Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through the name of Jesus, gives authority over all demons. And if we learn how to cooperate with spiritual laws, we can change some things going on this natural world to our betterment. Amen? And so this lesson here, is so crucial. So it's it's a it's a it's a natural illustration about gardening, about farming, to help you understand how the spiritual world works. And so I personally think this is the most important parable that Jesus ever taught, especially for new believers. It's a foundational truth. It's a basic Bible. And so I'm going to read verse three through nine. I just kind of make my way through them kind of quickly to get to the spiritual. Here's the natural side. But then we're going to get to the spiritual side of what he's talking about here. He said, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And if you got one of the new livings or something like that, then it may say there went out a farmer to plant some seed. How many, how many here, just to understand what this is like, it doesn't make a difference if you're a big time farmer or if you've ever had a flower pot or did an experiment in school where they give kids seed sometimes. How many here get the picture of your eye what it's like to take a seed, put it in dirt, water it, get sunshine, what happens? Amen. And you know what? There's nothing to stop it. You know why? Because that's something God made. God made seed. God put inside a seed, whatever it is that's inside a seed, God put it in there and said, you're a seed. And if you say uh, petunia, then when you get planted in dirt petunia and you water it, you're going to come up, you're going to be a petunia. If God put tomato in there and said, you're going to be a cherry tomato. And when you get planted in dirt, nothing can stop, nothing can stop what is planted in dirt 
and watered and get sunshine. Nothing could stop that plant from growing because God put in that plant what it said it would be. And so whatever it is you plant that seed, if it's in dirt, if it's watered, get sunshine, nothing can stop it. It has no choice but to grow. Amen. That's so why it says that this farmer planted a seed that came to pass as he sowed, as he planted, some, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Okay, the fowls of the air are birds. And where I, where I currently live, when I bought this house years ago, it had dirt. Well, I'm not really, I'm Californian now, but I was in the Midwest 54 years. And dirt's good for one thing to plant something in, not to look at and rake it. But I'm not putting down on people that look at it and rake it. Because that's what you train to do out here. So I put irrigation in. I got fertilizer. I dug it up. I planted seed. And I watered it. And I've got grass. But what I had to watch out for was the fowls of the air. The birds wanted to eat my grass seed. So I found out if I covered it up with with moose dung or whatever that stuff was they gave me at the Home Depot, what was it? Cabiner. Think, think about something else. Think about Alaska. Think about Alaska walking that stuff up there. Anyway, anyway, what, what I found out is this. If I covered the seeds, the birds couldn't eat my seed. Because let me ask you this. If you've got seed out there planted, no matter what it is, if something eats it, is it going to grow? No, it's not going to grow. And so this farmer planted seed and said some of it, the birds came and ate. And so if you're planting something in your yard and you don't protect it from birds and they eat it, guess what? If you've got a big bare spot there, it's your fault. You didn't protect it. They might have grow all around there, but where the birds came, it won't. And so anyway, then it says, And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Immediately. How many know that if you put a seed on top of the dirt and it gets water, it's going to bud, something's going to happen. But nothing much is going to happen because if it's hard ground, there's going to be no roots. And so it says it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And what I see an example of that's out here in the desert. My first year here, I saw it. We had, we had rains in the, in the late winter time and driving out old 58. All of a sudden, every field out there was purple. Had things going on, but you had to look at it quick. Was it a week? It wasn't purple anymore because they had no root system. So when the sun came out, all of a sudden it's dirt again. But very temporarily, because there was a little bit of rain, and those seeds were in the ground from last year, a little bit of rain, you got some really beautiful flowers, but all of a sudden they were gone because there was no root system. But then at the same time, if you drive a mile up the road, the alfalfa fields, those guys have worked that ground. They got those great big wheels, throw that water everywhere, and that's nothing but luscious green. It grows and grows and grows because there's something happening there to make it happen. And so then it says, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And so, in other words, it started growing where it could have fruit. But it bore no fruit because the plants got choked. So you got plants, but it wasn't taken care of. Nobody took care of the thorns and the weeds, so it didn't happen. And that reminds me of a quick story. 
that uh, have to tell about my lovely wife and myself, so I don't know who the good guy or bad guy is in this. I just know that uh, something happened. Back in Indiana, at the little little place we lived on, we had, what, two and a half acres? Had two and a half acres, had woods, had ground, stuff like that. And we had this old farm boy named Tracy. And every year in the springtime, Tracy, after he got off his guard and everything done he wanted, he's a good old boy. He'd come driving up the road, and if he saw you had some dirt out there, he loved his tractor. He said, hey, you want me to plow that up for you? And so every year, she'd say, yeah, Tracy, plow mine up. This is back when I was a truck driver, so I'd be out in the truck when she got it plowed up, and she loved to plant. So she would plant this thing. After, I don't know, two or three or four years, she finally learned her lesson. But anyway, I would come home. It would be planted, had lots of rain out there, and it would grow. Man, big old tomato plants would come up. Green onions would come up. Peppers would come up. Everything she planted would come up. I was busy trucking all day long. I was tired. I didn't want to work a garden. So that stuff would come up, and she would ignore it then because she had a house and kids to take care of. But they would come up, and after come about July or August, with all those weeds that choked everything, you see somewhere through the through the chiggers, and that's that's some buckets out there, through the chiggers, and through the weeds, you see those red things in there with tomatoes if you want to walk through there and get them. You see the peppers out there. And finally, I, I had a really, really good riding lawnmower with a back thing on it that really cut stuff up good, really powerful. And so finally about August, you say, you can cut it down if you want to. So I'd make a few passes through there, and I'd cut it all down again. But the whole thing, what I'm saying is this. Had good plants, but we let the weeds take care of them. As because, the weed, because the weeds overcome it, then we got no fruit. This is the illustration that Jesus has given us. said the, the, the thorns grew up, choked it, yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground. Well, this was my dad's garden. My dad was retired, lived down the road. And when he went on something, when he did something, he went gung-ho. So my dad paid a guy up the road to bring some horse stuff up there and put on there because he heard that made gardens grow good. And they had another guy come and put some ammonia or something in the ground. Heard that made it grow good. Did everything he could. And every day my dad went up there, weeded it. He had, he had a real fancy roller tiller. He worked the ground and stuff like that. And my dad yielded great big old giant tomatoes and hot peppers, corn, everything you wanted, and gave it away because my dad worked his ground. He had the time to do it, and he did it. And so it said, fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. So Jesus gave us a natural illustration. Does anybody understand the natural illustration? Has anybody here ever known or seen a good farmer that worked his ground how it came up? Has anybody ever seen somebody plant things and they didn't take care of it and weeds got it? So you, you get the picture of what Jesus does. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants you to see the picture of what's happening. So now look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, he said to them, unto you. Now look at this. He's talking to his followers. How many here are followers of Jesus? And I want to ask you if you're disciples or not, because Pastor Dave really drove that home pretty good. And, you know, he said everybody can say they are. But if you really are, then you do something about it. Amen. And so anyway, uh, to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And uh, my, my center column tells Greek on some of these things. And that word mystery there in the Greek means secret or hidden truths. Secret or hidden truths. 
Now, has anybody ever heard the religious thing out of the religious Bible? It says God moves in mysterious ways, gives wonders to perform. Well, Jesus is telling us right here, if you read these next couple of verses, they're mysterious ways to people that don't know God nor read their Bibles. They're not a mystery. Not a mystery. When you know what Jesus is going to teach us in the next few verses, you'll understand everything that goes on in life, especially Christian life. But in life in general, you'll understand. He said unto you, so say this to me, say unto, unto me, it's given to know the secrets and hidden truths of the spiritual realm. Amen. But he said, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Now look at verse 13. Verse 13, he said unto them, know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? And so what Jesus is saying in modern talk is if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand much at all about the kingdom of God. But if you understand this, so you'll understand all parables. You'll understand in life, you know, tonight, I can tell you why there's so many empty seats in this church of people that were coming here a month ago. Or were coming here two months ago. Or were coming here a year ago. This parable will tell you why people you know have backslidden. Why people you know that had victory lost it. And why some other people you know that could get victory don't have victory. And why you yourself, what you can do to get victory in things you're facing right now. Because that's what Jesus said, is giving you to know these secrets. And then he said, if you understand this, you'll understand everything in the kingdom of God. And so this is the basic foundation for successful Christian living. When a believer understands this spiritual truth and then puts it into practice. You might want to write that down in your notes. And then puts it into practice. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, puts it into practice as an ongoing part of their Christian lifestyle. What we're teaching right here that Jesus taught is something I first learned back in early 1980, and I still do it as an ongoing thing. This is my lifestyle. Just as surely as I got to eat, I got to sleep, functions of life I got to do. I could do nothing if this wasn't part of my lifestyle. You know why? I had a pastor in 1980 taught me this principle, what Jesus taught. And because I had an ear to hear, and Jesus said, either has an ear to hear, let him hear. I listened with my spiritual ears, which is in my heart. And I saw the fruit of it in my pastor's life. I saw the fruit of it in people like Kenneth Copeland's life. I saw the fruit of it in Joyce Meyer's life. I saw the fruit of it in Kenneth Hagin's life. I saw spiritual people that I respected that lived in victory for years. And I thought, wow, if it works for them, it'll work for me. If I do what they did, I'll get what they got. And so I put this into practice. And so anyway, if you'll put this into practice as a consistent part of your life, then you're going to start seeing your percentages of winning go up and up and up and up. You're going to begin to win more and more of life's battles. And the Lord gave me this after I had this down. And listen real closely. And I'll, I may say it twice. But anyway, if you don't get it all, then get it off somebody else or get this off the Internet. Listen to this. Everything you will ever need in life, everything you will ever need in life, peace, healing, health, godly relationships, 
How many can use some godly relationships? Amen. Have some peace in your family relationships. Godly relationships deliver some alcohol, drugs, bad habits. Everything you'll ever need is attainable through word seed. Word seed. Everything you need. That's what this parable is all about. Because God's word is God's seed. How many know in the book of Genesis, man was made out of dirt? Amen. We came from dirt. God's word is spiritual seed. The Holy Spirit waters it when we spend time with him. And as that word seed, whatever area of life it is, if you need peace, if you need deliverance, if you need financial success, if you need divine healing, if you need to be a better parent, better husband, better wife, better employee, better employer, whatever it is, the Bible has seeds in every area of life that we'll ever face. And if we will listen to what Jesus tells us in the next few verses, if we will allow that seed to get planted in our heart, watered, stay under the glory of God, the sunshine of God, then there's no way there's no way that seed won't bring to pass what it says. I dare you to plant watermelons and say, I'm going to get tomatoes out of this. You're not. You're getting watermelons. If you plant onions, you're going to get onions. If you plant cucumbers, you're going to get cucumbers. If you plant flowers, you're going to get flowers. That's going to be what kind of flowers that seed packet says it is. That's what you're going to get. If you need peace, why are you feeding on tithing verses all the time then, if you're already a tither. It's a good thing to read on those, but if you need peace, you need to be looking at some things in the Bible about the Prince of Peace, casting your cares upon the Lord. He's the God of peace. You need to start watering those seeds of what you want to grow in your life. If you need healing, why are you feeding on those books on the end times like the Antichrist? Man, what difference is it going to make if you die before he gets here if you don't get healed? you better start getting some seeds of healing in there and watering those seeds. If you're going through a divorce and you really don't want to get a divorce, you want your marriage to work, why are you reading those seeds all the time about making money? You better start putting the seeds in you want the harvest in. God's word seed will enable you to obtain whatever you need in life if you obey God's spiritual laws. Now, here's a statement the Lord gave me years ago that many of you have heard, but if you haven't, you need to write this down. And if you don't get it, ask somebody later or get it off the Internet. Satan cannot stop the Word from working. All he can do is try to stop you from working the Word. Once you plant that seed, you get it going. Nothing can stop it but you. Quit watering it. Put it in the dark let it get no sunshine. And that seed will stop growing then. But as long as you've got that seed planted, you're watering it. It's getting the light. It's going to grow. Nothing can stop it. So I want to read now verses 14 through 20. And this is going to be classroom participation. Now I want you to notice here, and this will show you what Jesus is trying to get across in this parable. The sower soweth. Now say this with me. The sower soweth the word. Say the word. Now, every time we see that phrase, the word, you say it with me. 
Because Jesus said, it's given you to understand these spiritual truths. And he also said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And so when you see how many times Jesus talks about the word of this whole process, and then you see how Satan has got it, he understands it. That's why he does everything he can to do the stuff he does. Jesus is going to talk about it. So anyway, I'm going to read this again. Now this is classroom participation. The sower soweth. Well, by the time we get through the rest of you get it. And these are they by the wayside where I thought that was less than the last time. Well, you'll get it. And these are they by the wayside where is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as here, the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as here. Wow, that's still pretty weak out there, but that's why you need this lesson. And they receive it and bring forth fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus is trying to get Christians to understand the value and the seriousness and the priority you need to place on the Word of God? Amen. And as I said, this parable is taught in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in great detail. And Jesus said, now listen to this. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand anything? You know, that would explain the empty seats at a church this size. That would explain to you empty seats on a Sunday morning when somebody comes in and they get blessed the previous Sunday because the anointing falls on them, they get goosebumps and something good happens. Well, they're in the goosebump realm and not in this realm. No, I'm serious about that. You can't live off of goosebumps. Hey, man, how many like that when something really happens? Like, you feel it, and you know it. Well, back in Bible school in 19, 1983, I had, I had a Bible teacher teaching on prayer. I'll never forget what he said. It made so much sense to me. He's teaching on prayer. You know, a lot of people base the answers of prayer upon if they got the feeling. They Oh, I just feel that God answered. Woo, woo, that just feels good all over. He said, he made this statement to us. He said, if you got to have goosebumps and chills, know your prayers got answered, I'll get you a block of ice and sit on it every time you pray. Moving right along. <laughs> Amen. So the value of the word, that's what Jesus is teaching. So now I'll go back and I'll explain this. Verse 15 then, he said, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Now, do you remember the wayside said some seed fell by the wayside and the birds, the fowls came and they ate the word up? Now, listen to this, because right here is going to answer the question for probably half the people sitting in here. I know on Sunday morning it would for sure. Maybe tonight, maybe maybe a third of the people. But on Sunday morning, probably 50% of the people would get something out of this if they were listening. 
It said, these are they by the wayside. And you get a picture. Some of the seed fell down there and birds ate it up. So if the birds ate it up, there's no way that that could do anything because it's in the bird's belly. And there you go, it gets bird poop. Amen. And so the word is sown. But when they have heard, and how many know that if you're sitting in a church service, Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whatever it is, you're hearing. It says, when they have heard, now look at this. Satan cometh immediately and take away what? The word that was sown in their heart. So Jesus is saying that when a preacher is reading the Bible and preaching, he's saying that every heart sitting in there had that word sown in their heart because Jesus said it. Because your, your spirit, your spirit is God's soil. The preacher, whether it's me or anybody else, is the farmer. We're planting God's word in your soil. And he said, Satan is like a bird. He comes immediately to peck it away what was sown in your heart. And so I wrote down some things tonight that I thought about. That's just modern things that Satan uses. Listen to this. Satan's number one go concerning you is to make sure God's word never gets planted in the soil of your heart and remains there. His number one his number one go. Think about this. If we know, if we know that we're planting a garden, and if we know we want to stop weeds from growing, the number one thing is stop them before they start. And so what are we going to try to do? We're going to try to do something to kill weed seed. Something to stop that seed from growing, because if we stop the seed before the weed comes, then we're going to protect our plants. And so Satan's thing is this. Satan has been around a long, long time. He's seen what the Word of God does when it gets in somebody's heart, comes out of their mouth, and they believe it and they act on it. He's seen what happens every time. If it's healing they need, he sees healing comes if they get a hold of the Word. If they've been poor and broke and just always lived under a financial curse, they get a hold of the Word of God on tithing, they start tithing, they start confessing prosperity. He sees what happens. All of a sudden, they're starting to come out of debt and they're prospering. They get better cars, better clothes pay for education, their kids start looking better, eating better, things start changing. If he sees if he sees people that have been seriously addicted to anything, alcohol, drugs, pornography, tobacco, whatever it is, and they get out of the Word of God how Jesus has set you free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. They start saying those things. Well, he knows I've got to stop that weed. I've got to stop that seed. What can I do to stop that seed? Because if this girl gets a hold of this and starts growing in her life, I know she's going to be free. If this man gets a hold of this, he's not going to be a jerk anymore. He's going to be free. He's going to start being like a good Christian husband. And so what's Satan's number one goal, Jesus said? He cometh when? He doesn't wait till next week. You know what it immediately is? That's right now where you're sitting in your seat. Now let me give you some tactics. When I was writing this out this afternoon, I saw this. If it gets you to play games on your phone, you'd be surprised what some of my ushers have told me sometime. I'd never dreamed in a million years they hadn't told me. I've had ushers tell me, Pastor, you would not believe the amount of people are sitting out there. And I walk past you, you think on the Bible apps, they're playing little bleeping games. I think, why are you sitting there at a church service playing games? Stay home. Stay home. If it's a good game, God might help you win it. If you're at home, if it's a nasty game, he's not going to help you. But if it's an okay game, he might help you. But I don't think it's going to be an anointing win if you're sitting in the church. 
Somebody said, amen. How, how come I saw my ten faces go red all of a sudden? I don't know. That was probably my imagination, sorry. <laughs> if it gets you to play games on your phone during a church service or look at text messages and emails or cause your mind to wonder or talk or pass a note with the person sitting next to you. Then guess what? His first line of attack has been successful. He immediately stole the word that was sown. You were sitting here. You came into the church. You had a need in a certain area of life, whatever it was, healing, a relationship, an answer for wisdom for your job or something like that. And all of a sudden you're sitting there and because you didn't turn your phone off or stash it where you couldn't get to it, it started vibrating or started lighting up and blinking. At about that time, the pastor exhorted on a verse that was going to be the seed you needed. And you're going to get your answer right then. Guess what? Jesus doesn't lie. Jesus said, Satan cometh immediately to steal the word that was sown. Somebody said, well, how can Satan get in the church? He follows people. I bind him from operating in my life. I bind him from operating in the church. But if you pal around with him all week long, don't leave him outside. He's going to follow you in. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Oh, pastor, 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 I wish you hadn't said that. Well, judge the fruit. You know, if you got the fruit of Jesus in your life really good, then hang around Jesus. If you don't have very much Jesus fruit, you're hanging around somebody else. Okay, and so his first line of attack has worked. He stole the word that was sown. And write this down. Preaching plants the word, and teaching waters the word. And what does that mean? Well, it means this. The first time you hear a subject taught, the very first time that word got planted. And then the next time you hear it, since it's already planted, the teaching waters it and helps it to grow. You get more revelation. You get more understanding. So that's why you need preaching. You need teaching. And so when you come back in the next time, we're teaching on marriage. You come back in the first time, you hear things about husbands and wives you've never heard before of the Bible. All of a sudden, that's revelation. They go, wow, that's good. Oh, I'm glad I heard that. Well, guess what? Just because you plant that seed in the flower pot, you're not going to pretty flower unless you keep watering it. Your marriage isn't going to get too pretty unless you come in and hear some more talk. Sad thing about tithing. That sounds really good. Woo! God rebukes the devourer for me. I'm giving 10% every time. Woo! Glory to God. When is the heaven open? I'm blessed. Well, guess what? The seed got planted. And you may start tithing. You better come back and hear some more teaching on it. Amen. If you want to bear that fruit. And so anyway, that's his first thing he does. And then notice verse 16 and 17. And these they are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Remember the stuff that was sown where there wasn't much depth of earth. And when the sun came out, it burned it and it didn't grow. It says, stony ground, when they have heard the word, immediately receive of gladness. How many like the seven-day wonders? Man, you wonder where they went after seven days. Man, they're jumping and shouting. They're Facebooking. Oh, Pastor, I'm behind you. I'll be the next. Oh, I can't wait to be there. You know, I've had so many people tell me that in the last two months. I've never seen them since. 
So folks, oh, I love the way you teach the word here. Oh, oh, the word's so good here. Oh, I just love the word here. Man, I love the victory of this church. This is the freest church of everything. Oh, they make me feel so good. I love this church. Well, does that sound pretty glad? It says receive with gladness. And then it says uh, they receive gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. And remember, this is, this is the, the seed sown on the stony ground. It comes up real quick, real joyful. It says, afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, let me tell you about those words Jesus just talked about. Number one, affliction is outward. That's hard circumstances, hard times. And what's the purpose? To pull you away from hearing the word and reading your Bible. All of a sudden, you might have... You might have problems on your job that might have cut your hours and you get all messed up trying to find jobs and things like that. Or who knows what it is. Persecution is on the outside also. Persecution is people that are hounding you and messing with you. And again, you've got to understand Satan's behind this to cause you to give up and quit reading your Bible and stay away from church. That's what Jesus said. He said affliction or persecution comes for the word's sake. That's talking about the Bible. That's talking about hearing the Bible, reading the Bible. And it says offended. And offended means to cause you to shut down, become discouraged, and walk away from your spiritual life. Get mad at people. Get mad at God. Get mad because they cut your hours. Get mad because you're having a car problem. Any of these outward things attacking you, just one purpose Satan has, it says for the word's sake. Because you become offended. You get offended. How many here have ever seen people, and don't raise your hand because it could have been some of you, that nothing related at all. Jesus never hurt you. We never hurt you. Just because of bad times of life, all of a sudden you're not here anymore. Just quit coming to church. Quit coming to church. Go through a hard time. Quit coming to church. Because go through a hard time. Let me tell you something. You, you, now, you just got to get this you're thinking. If you'd be smarter than the devil, next time that tries to happen, you're going to quit coming to church because you're discouraged in life. Just stop and ask yourself this. When I go to church, do I get answers or do I get confused? I get answers. When I go to church, do I feel better or do I feel worse? I feel better. When I go to church, do I get more faith or less faith? I get more faith. And so the next time that tries to happen because of hard times of life, say, Satan, Jesus warned me in Mark chapter 4, with affliction, hard times, and persecution to come for the word's sake. That is you behind that, you dirty dog. And I'm not going to fall for it this time. I resist you in the name of Jesus. I'm getting into church where the answer is, I need the word. Somebody clap. Amen. And then verse, verse, verse 18 and 19 then says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, now he's getting ready to talk about some inside attacks. The outside was outside. This is inside. The cares of this word, world are talking about the worries of life getting in your soul. Now, this gets a little deeper now. This talk about your inward man, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And the deceitfulness of what? Riches. God has no problem with Christians having riches, but the deceitfulness of thinking that's the answer to everything you need in life. The deceitful of riches... The lust of other things entering in, what's it do? Chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Chokes the word, 
it becomes unfruitful. This is a tax on the soul. Now listen to this. Do you remember he said that when those thorns came and choked those plants, said they were already bearing fruit? Another one of the, another one of the parables he taught this in, it says, brings no fruit to perfection. So let me ask you this. Now this is, he's talking here about a, about a little higher level Christian. How could something become unfruitful if it wasn't fruitful? If you've got, if you've got a fruit tree growing and it's never born any fruit, it could become unfruitful. It never matured enough to have fruit. But if it started having fruit and something changed, it becomes unfruitful. That means it was already fruitful. So the kind of Christian talking, talking about here is most of you. A fruitful Christian is one that started witnessing to people about their faith. They've got delivered from things that have held them back. They've started tithing. They're bearing fruit. They've started serving. They're bearing fruit. And so this is an upper level Christian beyond the last Christian. The other ones hadn't got to this place yet. They got choked out before they started. This is the one becometh unfruitful. That's the one that's, Pastor, uh, we're not going to be able to be here this week. Why? Well, if we're talking scripturally, we're chasing after other things, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches. <laughs> if they were telling spiritual truth. But it's usually, oh, well, you know, this and this and this and this. And then that's me. Pastor, you know what? Bad uh, Sunday's the only day. Uh, we're working six days a week for the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Chasing after stuff. And so we don't have any time for Sundays anymore. Let me see. You were tithing. You were witnessing. You were serving. You were fruitful. Uh, Pastor, could you have somebody take over my position? Uh, we just, we're just not that committed anymore. Well, deceitful riches, the lust of other things, cares of this world enter in, choke the word, it becometh unfruitful. Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you'll understand everything. He said, if you don't understand this, you'll understand nothing. And so anyway, what's happened, a mature believer allowed Satan to launch an attack on their mind, on their soul. And all of a sudden, everything else in life was more important than sitting under the Word, getting the Word watered. Amen? That, Jesus said that. And so his whole, his whole desire is for Believers bearing fruit start chasing money, career, material things at less and less time reading starting their Bible at home or attending church services. That's his goal. And Jesus is the one who told us this. And Jesus said, it's given to you to know the mysteries. That's why people have been saying, Pastor, what happened to such and such? I haven't seen them for so long. Pastor, does such and such still go? What what they teach in that class? Pastor, wasn't such and such a leader? Wasn't they doing this? Wasn't they doing that? And so if I was going to be tell the truth, I said, well, I'll tell you what, Jesus told you about in Mark chapter 4. Go read it. All right. Here's who we are. Here's who we're going to be. And everybody here is going to be a part of this. This is what you want to be, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. That's who we want to be. There's different levels of fruit bearing. We determine that we're going to be a 30, 60, or 100-fold bearing Christian. That's who we're going to be. And so remember this. Satan can't stop the Word from working. All he can do is try to stop you 
from working the Word. Amen. Amen. Did anybody get anything out of that? Did that help you? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.